This is Warrior's Way Podcast, Episode 4, and I'm James Eek. An instructor or a teacher is not a dictator or absolute ruler, but merely a guide, like a tourist guide, who shows you the points of interest in a foreign country. He takes you to, say, six points of interest. You might only like one or one of these points, but between one point of interest and another, there might be something that interests you. What you learn or pick up from your guide is strictly up to you. Think of a typical high school class. It will yield a mathematician, some lawyers, a doctor, athletes, and some criminals. Yet all receive the same courses. You can't really teach anything. The student only retain what they want to retain. In a classical martial arts class, you have to perform exactly like your instructor, or be exactly like him, regardless of physical differences. The hardcore instructor must have, say, 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups before each class. What happens if a 62-year-old lady or a 70-year-old man wants to learn your art? Some instructors only teach young, talented athletes. What about old and uncoordinated people who need the art even more than the gifted students? I feel you have to be flexible in your approach to teaching. That's the beauty of the Jeet Kune Do concept. You can teach an art without having to be bound by the art. In beginning classes, I'm not concerned with minute details, like the exact position of the heel, the distance between the left heel and the right toe. That's like teaching a baby to walk by saying, okay, junior, put 60% of your weight on your front feetsie. Does someone have to stand over you to show you how to throw a baseball or a football? No, you just do it automatically. You might look terrible at first, but the more you do it, the better you are. It comes from within, through instinctive body feeling. In the beginning classes, I call out the basics. Jab, jab, cross, hook, cross. I don't correct much other than saying, the left hand should cover from here to here. Don't drop your hand. Keep your balance. If you lose it, regain it. I give the beginners a routine. They have to find out when they can use the jab, the cross, etc. They have to figure that out for themselves. I can't tell them. For instance, how do you teach them to slip a punch? Or is there a classical form for that? Isn't slipping a punch a matter of relationship? It's a different relationship every time. Some opponents are fast and some are slow, some are deceptive, some are awkward. You really don't learn to duck until someone swings at you and tags you. Then it becomes very instinctive. The curriculum is always changing. My course plan has changed at least 60 times since I began teaching. I once had 112 different combinations to teach, then I gradually narrowed it down to 53. Giving 112 combinations is easy. Narrowing it down and getting to the nitty-gritty is harder. What I'm teaching is not so much the combinations as the essence of them. You don't know what combinations you're going to use anyway. A lot of students think I try to teach too much in one lesson or that I'm skipping the basics, but I'm not. For example, one student said, you're teaching too much the first day where I come from. They stay on one thing for weeks. What do you think I taught today, I asked. Well, the back fist, the finger jab, the horizontal chop, the diagonal chop, the hook, and the uppercut. That's too many things. That was his reply. He didn't get it. What I was teaching was the step and slide. 
Early in my non-martial arts training, I devised the perfect lesson plan weeks before each class, and I set out to cover 12 paragraphs. If the bell rang for a fire drill, or if the class was more interested in the fourth paragraph, or if we got off on a tangent and used up all the class time, my plan was no good. You can never plan exactly. Things are constantly changing. You can never cover exactly what you set out to do. You must be flexible. Today, I don't have an exact lesson plan anymore. What I use is a general lesson plan, which is in pencil, and I use a log to record what I actually do cover. My martial arts teaching is done the same way. My personal training is also approached this way. I log everything I do. I can look back and see exactly what I did or what I still need to do, and it's very revealing. Once I pulled a muscle and I couldn't figure out why until I consulted my log, and it showed that I neglected stretching three days in a row. Getting there is easy, but maintaining it is hard, just like dieting. Logging is a very important tool for your daily maintenance. It's hard to do everything you want to do. Your age, finances, social life, and job all limit your time. You have to fit everything into your lifestyle. My personal maintenance record categories include spiritual maintenance, so meditation or prayer or religion or just sitting down and thinking about my goals, mental growth, reading, researching any subject matter for growth, nutritional maintenance, correcting eating habits and vitamin supplements, cardiovascular maintenance, skipping rope, running, walking, footwork, bicycling, rowing, stomach maintenance, Bruce Lee called this the window of health, since all your internal organs are in there. Specialized maintenance, stretching, yoga, speed bag, top and bottom bag, Heavy bag, shadow boxing, Kali, etc., etc. To progress, you must take the existing research or principles, add your own experiences, and then try to improve upon them. A genius like Bruce Lee took what he learned from the past and tried to make it better. Take existing literature, listen to existing authorities, and test it for yourself. If it works, adapt it. If it doesn't, reject it. But before you reject it, make sure you know why it didn't work. Bruce over-researched everything. He said that you have to get 10, 15, 20 ways to train the hook kick because you get bored of hooking the air, the heavy bag, board, speed bag, top and bottom bag, and paper. You should have many ways, just like building a bicep. Each bodybuilder has a different theory of what works best for him or her. Each dieter has a special method because it works for them. Now it's up to you to see what works for you. I learn as much from teaching and from my students as they learn from me. It's true that teaching helps you formulate, because when you teach something, you have to really have it down pat. There are so many ands, ifs, and buts that if you don't have your stuff together, it really shows. My students provide me a means to experiment and to test my theories. They're my guinea pigs just as I was one for Bruce Lee. So that's uh, from a chapter called A Finger Pointing to the Moon in a book published in 1982 called Absorb What is Useful by my teacher, Guru Dan Inosanto. And I've read over this book, I don't even know how many times, since then um to say that gurdan is my teacher well 
it's actually there's two things. First of all, it like it's sometimes hard to believe that he is. Um, if you realize that, you know, I grew up in a small little place in Ontario, Canada, and <laughs> I spent most of my time either dreaming of being a martial artist, reading about being a martial artist, or trying to figure out how to be one. And uh, part of that was picking up these magazines, things like Black Belt Magazine. And in pretty much every issue, there was something written by this man, Dan Inosanto. And he changed my way of thinking about everything. Because as you can read from, or hear from when I read that, he doesn't just talk about punching and kicking. He's giving you advice on life. And uh, it, it, it kind of changed my outlook on everything. Um, I talk about some of this in, in my book, Warrior's Way, A Guide to Lifelong Learning in the Martial Arts. So I won't go too too far down that hole. But uh, imagine you're a little kid living on a small farm in the middle of nowhere and you are inspired by this person who lives far away in California who was best of friends and a student of Bruce Lee. And then I think if you think about that, you can start to understand why today to be one of his instructors, so I am certified by him in three different martial arts, and I train with him as much as I possibly can. Um, it's just amazing to me sometimes looking back on all of that, and it's a, a crazy thing. And I am very, very grateful for the, the opportunities that uh, I've had to train with him and to learn from him. And um, the school that I have, I have, if I'm honest, because of him. And uh, I always remind myself that. So every life I touch through my school... Um, it's thanks to Gurdan and Osanto. So without going too much into the, all of that, much more than that, um, I first met him and trained with him in May of 1993. And there's a whole story that goes with all of this, um, but I'm not going to get into it. But suffice it to say, I jumped in my car and I drove for hours and... Nothing's been the same since. Um, yeah. And I think it's pretty... Uh, if you have ever had anyone in your life that kind of completely changes everything, I think you know what I mean. That's not to say that I haven't had a whole bunch of other instructors that have, you know, done huge things for me because I most certainly have. People like my jiu-jitsu professor, Professor Jean-Jacques Machado, you know, the the first huge karate instructor that I trained with, uh, Sensei Richard Kim, um, and countless others. But uh, 
kind of the shining light in the darkness was definitely Gurdan. Um, what he's saying in this, this chapter, I think, is really important because what it's getting to is this idea that your instructor can't give you everything. And for some people, I think that is a huge wake-up when they realize that. Um, what I like to remind my students is that even though we're all in this together, ultimately we're in this ourselves. And there's nobody in this world who's going to make you happy. There's nobody in this world who's going to do anything for you. What some people will do will help to inspire you. There are some people who will amplify what you've been given. There's some people that you love being along for the ride. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really up to you. You have to teach yourself. You have to get yourself off the couch. You have to eat better. You have to think better. You have to work harder. And in the martial arts, the way you become amazing, by the way, is to work harder than everybody else. It's no surprise that Gurdan and Osanto is probably, if not the greatest martial artist that there's been, um, definitely up there. <laughs> because the man doesn't stop. Um, the man doesn't stop. He's 82 years old now, and he, I can guarantee as I'm recording this podcast, he's training or researching or teaching or doing something that I'm not. <laughs> um, and that is always very humbling for me, and it's kind of staggering to think about because those who, who know me know how much I put into all of this. But I know that it's not even close to what my teacher does. And uh, part of that is what keeps me going, I have to say. Another thing that I take away from this chapter is kind of about what the philosopher Krishnamurti said, and that is the truth is a pathless land. And this means a lot of things. It means that there's no one clear way to the truth. It means that every way is right. It means that seeking itself is wrong because you're already there. Um, what a good teacher will do is will inspire you. A, gr a good teacher or a great teacher is there in a dark room turning on a light and pointing out the direction that you should go. But it's up to you to keep walking. You could quite easily just stand there in the dark and bump around. Um, and I think that's, that's a key thing to learn. And that's one of the things that I, I really love about jiu-jitsu and what I've realized about jiu-jitsu is that a lot of these philosophies that Gurudan has talked about are so self-evident when you train in jiu-jitsu. I've said to my students a lot that I really believe that, uh, that jiu-jitsu is a manifestation of all of those principles that we study in Jeet Kune Do. It, uh, 
It's a personal thing. You have to get on the mats. You have to sweat. You have to try things out. You have to fail a lot. And you know, failure is the best of teachers. It is going to show you the way. It really will. Nothing like doing something wrong and having to pay for it to teach you what was wrong so you can find what is right. And all of that I learned through Gurudan. And, you know, the thing to keep in mind too, the when I'm reading this and, you know, I'm looking at the fact that it was written in 1982, which means he wrote it even years before that, how much what he says is so true and how long it took us to, to realize that. Most people don't even realize the influence that Dan Inosanto has had on the martial arts and the way we train and life itself. I mean, if any movie that you mention, I can guarantee that if you look through the people that are doing the stunt work or who are the stunt people or the fight coordinators or various others, they're probably people who have trained with Gurudan. Gurudan himself has trained a whole lot of different actors and um, people in that business. And just that alone is kind of mind-blowing. But then when you factor in all the different martial arts that have come to the mainstream, truly because of the fact that Dan Inosanto helped bring it to light, you know, things like Muay Thai, things like the Filipino martial arts, and things like jujitsu. Uh, you know, Gurdan, a lot of people don't know this, but he has been training in jujitsu himself and started when he was in his 60s. And he still is on those mats and training. Um, without going too far into it, it the, a lot of the first students that uh, devoted themselves to Brazilian jiu-jitsu were students through Gurudan. Um, and like I said myself, it, he, I wouldn't be doing jiu-jitsu if it wasn't for him. You know, and, and yeah, I wouldn't also be doing Jeet Kune Do, I wouldn't be doing Kali, I wouldn't be doing Silat, I wouldn't be doing a whole lot of the other things that I, I do and that I teach if it weren't for him. But also these other things on, that are tangents of what we do, I guess, is the best way to look at it. And the thing that's amazing to see is that these world-class martial artists like Professor Machado, how much they're inspired by Gurudan. That's really something. And you don't see that really very many other places, you know. Um, Gurudan, he's inspired me in a whole lot of ways, more than just the martial arts. Um, like you can read, or when I read over that, you know, when he was talking about the things that he logs and thinks about, um, you know, his spiritual maintenance, his mental growth, nutritional maintenance. Um, he, over the years, has told me little things that, you know, I... I do. Like, for instance, he, uh, we were having lunch once and he was telling me about alkali water. <laughs> and now I drink it every day. Um, he told me about the benefits of anti-inflammatories. And I have that in my diet every day, you know. And so 
the inspiration that he's provided have, has set me to research fitness more, nutrition, my own personal research in everything. I, you know, like for instance, I, I try to find things um, that interest me and go into it and look deeper. So even though it doesn't sound like a martial arts thing, I have been studying beekeeping for years now and have my own hive and all of that. And part of that is inspired by all of these philosophies, the Jeet Kune Do concepts of research and development. In my own school, I do some things that are completely my own development. Not that, you know, that's any amazing thing, but this development of new material I wouldn't be able to do that without the flexibility that he has nurtured in the way I look at my martial arts and my way of doing things. Um, my, the idea of trying new things and always being a student, you know, that uh, that all comes from him. And there's so much more, so much more. Um, not only does he inspire me, but the fact that now at about, you know, like I said, 82 years old, he's still actively learning and trying new things. And, you know, how can that not possibly inspire you to stay creative and to have fun and to learn and to grow as a person as, and as a martial artist? Um, if I'm thinking about what he's taught me that is maybe the most important thing that I try to nurture in my own students... It's to be humble and to be kind and to simply stick with it and enjoy this ride that I'm on and to try to pass on some of this, you know, the same kind of feelings and the same kind of inspiration and the same kind of ideas in others. You know, he's told me before that a fighter doesn't give anything back, but a teacher builds community. And I think that is so deep <laughs> and it's something that I try to do, you know, so I'm always trying to nurture that idea in my school and in the way that I do things, this podcast, for instance, I wouldn't have done this without the idea of giving back, you know, this idea of digging into what the martial arts really means. Um, it would be easier just to, you know, well, it would be easier to just sit on the couch, to take some downtime, to, you know, focus on what I need to do to get my next ranking or <laughs> whatever else. But the idea of giving back and to helping others and to helping inspire some, you know, greater way of thinking, I think that is vitally important, especially in this day and age. I really think that, you know, if you look at the world around us and the fact that we have climate change and, you know, all these problems, if we have a more integrated view of our training, a more elevated view of where we fit in in our world, in our, in our community, if we realize the difference that each and every single one of us can make, if we are humble and we are kind and we are good and we are helping others, we can't help but make 
this world better. And all of that is from the martial arts, you know? In the army, we are kind of, we follow this view of service before self. And when I first got in the army, I was like, holy smokes, that's just like what I learned from Dan. And it is, you know, it really is. And Gurdan served in the Airborne himself, so maybe that's a, another thing that helped to um, create the person that he is. But service before self. Think about that, you know. How many times a day do you do something just because you want to? You know, how many things do you buy that you don't need? How much waste do you produce? How many things do you throw away just because, you know, you don't need it anymore, you don't want it anymore, you never really wanted it in the first place. Service before self means trying to think about others first. And if you integrate that into your training, I think you'll go a long way. Heck, you could just take that and put it into fitness and the fact that you're working out so that you can be stronger, so that you can be useful, so that if you ever have to do something, you can do it. If there's ever a burning building, you're able to help people get out because you're strong. If you need to live a life for others, what is it that you're going to do? You know, instead of just living a life for ourselves. Anyhow, that's a whole lot of information, but I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's really good, you know. If I think of anything in terms of what Gurdans taught me, I think it has a lot to do with that idea, that Krishnamurti quote, the truth is a pathless land. I think that the fact that he will never put down another martial art, he'll never say that somebody should do something differently. He is a very open-minded person who understands that we all have to find our own way. And yeah, he'll help you out, but it's up to you. And I think that's a, an empowering thing. And knowing that there's other people out there who will help you is empowering. Knowing that there are people out there who teach the martial arts not to fill their bank accounts, but to help other people is an amazing thing. To know that there you know, are people who write books that add substance to your life and can change the way that you think that's incredible. When I look at everything that I've learned from training in the martial arts, where I could be and where I am, and I realize the people that have helped me get there and the one person who's really helped to inspire my walk on the path in this pathless land, I... I 
can't help but feel so very blessed and grateful. And that's what I think this podcast is about. It's about looking at the example of others, you know, Gurudan and, you know, other people that we'll talk about in the podcast to come. I think it's great to examine your life and think of ways that you can become happier and healthier, ways that you can be, as I say to my kids in the kids' classes, the, how you can be a good friend. Because at the end of the day, you know, punching and kicking is one thing, but we should try to grow to be more than just thugs. <laughs> we should try to grow to be more than just training to win at a competition. What we should be doing is living a more vibrant life. And I think I'll leave it at that. So if you manage to find a copy of any of Guru Dan's books, I'd not, <laughs> they'd be a little bit difficult because most of them aren't in print anymore, but you can occasionally find them in used bookstores or online. Um, pick them up. This last one was called Absorb What is Useful. And uh, I think it is an incredible book. Um, but there's lots of other books out there. And I would suggest that you read as many of them as you can. Reading is part of training. It is something that will make your mind work better. It's something that will help you to live better. And it helps change some of the outdated ways that we think and make space for new and better ones. So if you are enjoying these podcasts, you can always pick up a copy of my book, Warrior's Way, A Guide to Lifelong Learning in the Martial Arts. Like I've said before, you can find it on Amazon. It's available on ebooks and all of that kind of stuff. I've also uh, put together a companion to that one. It's a, a journal to help track your training, kind of along the lines of what Gurudan was saying in that chapter. Um, and then more recently I've written another one called A Wolf in the Woods and that one is, we'll talk about that in future podcasts. Um, it's an interesting story that made that come about, um, but we'll save that for another time. So I hope you're enjoying this. If you have any questions, please drop me a line and, uh, if you have any comments or anything like that pass them on as well. If there's anything that you'd like me to talk about, let me know and I'll fit that in in future podcasts as well. All right. So like always, I'm James Eek and this was Warrior's Way podcast. Get out there, get off the couch, train, find something that inspires you, read some good things, eat some good things, train hard and have fun. <laughs>